when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up in the final Farm Talk programme for the year 2018, 800 trespasses recorded on Irish farmland in 2018 by the Gardaí, agricultural catchment area water monitoring in Cork West, Continued support in 2019 by the Department for BVD eradication and call for post-Christmas illegal dumpers to be tackled. Our top story. 800 trespasses reported on Irish farmland. Miss Hannah Quinn Mulligan, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, told the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme that the Munster region had recorded the second highest number of incidents, with a total of 245 reported out of the overall 800 nationwide. The background to this is that a number of farmers were coming to us, and I suppose being from you know, Limerick myself, I know that the Munster area has been particularly badly hit and a lot of farmers talking about finding trespassers on their land. And a lot of farmers talking about being afraid. You know, it's not a nice thing to be walking the fields and, you know, to find people on your land who you haven't invited onto your land and you don't know for what purpose they're there. And I guess what was highlighted when I was talked to a Garda sergeant about this actually was illegal hair coursing. Now, there is legal hair coursing. Um, coursing clubs have to have licenses and they have to have been granted permission before coming onto your land. But, you know, it's not a nice thing to stumble across a group of men with dogs on your land. That can be quite intimidating. So I guess this is the first time that figures have actually be, come to light that show the number of reported cases. But, of course, we have to bear in mind a lot of farmers don't feel the need to report it or don't think any good will come of reporting things. When you do come across uh, people on your land with uh, perhaps these lurcher breed dogs, people are often slightly intimidated because if they report these people to the guards, if some of them are apprehended or if they confront uh, the trespassers, they may come off second best because at the back of their mind they may feel there'll be retribution sometime down the line. But the guardy are saying if you can, if you feel confident enough to report these incidents, otherwise what can they do? Yeah, that's it. So we have 77 incidents in Limerick this year. We have 33 incidents in North Cork to date this year. You know, and that's just up to quarter three. That they're the latest available um, statistics that are available at the at the minute. But what the Garda Sergeant Declan O'Carroll was saying is that unless they know that there is a problem in an area, and he talked about crime hotspots. So he gave an example of uh, North Tipperary had been targeted and a number of 
uh, trailers had been stolen, sheds had been broken into. And because that was reported, at least then they were able to schedule Garda patrols to those areas. And then, you know, that help, hopefully the the presence of Garda will, you know, criminals will see it and to stop coming around is the idea. But, you know, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for farmers and a lot of them are fearful because one person, and we have to bear in mind the age of the farming community as well, there's a lot of elderly farmers out there walking the land and when they come across a group of men, I mean, that's intimidating whatever circumstance, but when you're by yourself, perhaps alone on a farm, that's doubly scary. So it's very frustrating for farmers. And I think, you know, what's frustrating as well, perhaps for Gardaí, is that we have a case where um, a chief crime officer, uh, Sergeant Tom O'Dwyer, spoke to a crowd in Nina a while ago, and he said that they had a case where they had photographs of men with illegal hair coursing. The men had hairs in their hands, but the director of public prosecutions dropped the case because they couldn't actually prove that the hairs weren't rabbits. So while it's illegal to hunt hares, it's not illegal to hunt rabbit. So, you know, that's incredibly frustrating for farmers and for Gardaí. But, you know, farmers should and should still come forward and report it because without reporting it, we don't know how big the problem is. Farmland in the vicinity of larger population centres, they would be targeted because the people can make a getaway quickly on the motorway and it's not just a trespassing and illegal hare hunting. There are perhaps a people planning robberies of farm machinery that could be sizing up your place as a future mark or a future target. Well, that's the fear that's there. You know, we, you know, our, our farm here and, you know, we go out walking the fields and, you know, we find sweet wrappers in the fields, say in the fields furthest away. So we know that people have been walking the land and we know that we haven't given permission for anyone to be walking the land. So it, it is not a nice feeling to know that people have been out there and that people could potentially be watching your comings and goings and what time you're around. And, uh, you know, that feeling will be in the back of people's minds as well, that perhaps the hair coursing is being used as an excuse just to walk the land and to monitor the kind of the activity on a farm you know and that's a horrible feeling because you know you're in your home you're you're you want to feel safe everyone wants to feel safe in their in their home and but if you do look and we have um, a county by county breakdown of the number of trespassing incidents in each county and you can see kind of a clear band across where there would be as you said a motorway network but you know like I said you know we're not going to get any more rural guard stations and I know my own local guard station is operating part-time and a lot of people will be in the same similar situation and you know it's worrying when the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris says that you know he doesn't have any plans to reopen rural Garda stations that were closed but you know unless we report incidents of crime and incidents of rural crime in particular we're not going to get those rural crime the rural Garda stations back. And of course the example of judges saying that because you can't prove that uh, what you claim is a hare and not a rabbit, well then the case has to be dropped, that a person would not know by being shown a photograph of the length of the ears of the rabbit versus a hare and the size of the hare versus a rabbit, the fact that that simple piece of identification could be confused must make poor farmers feel really desperate. To whom can they turn for help? 
Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I mean, it was just unfortunate the way things panned out. We we will have heard about the case in Dublin as well, where a farmer was um, beaten up by a number of people and um, that, you know, figures weren't, well, farmland figures weren't available for Dublin. So, you know, we, we don't have a trespassing incidents for that county. We have them for the rest. But, yeah, it's a horrible situation to be in for anyone to be afraid and to be any for anyone to be afraid on their own farm. But I know it sounds maybe pathetic in a way, but we do have to keep reporting any incidents or reporting any suspicious activity as well. And actually, there's a great initiative that's kicking off in Limerick, sort of a crime text alert for milk lorry drivers that's been started by a local guard in Bruff Garda station. And, you know, it actually came about completely by chance where a milk lorry driver was driving at 3 a.m. and he happened upon a group of men pushing a quad bike down a road and obviously he got suspicious he rang the local guardie the local guardie came around and found that this quad bike had been stolen but the men had uh, had run into difficulty with it so they were able to reclaim the quad bike and in the morning when the farmer phoned up then they were able to give the quad bike back so anyway coming into the new year there's a couple of co-ops there's dairy gold there's tipperary co-op and the Kerry group as well are the drivers are all part of this new initiative where if they see or suspect any criminal activity they'll text the guardie or vice versa as well if the guardie hear of any sort of criminal activity in a local rural area you know then that will they'll text the milk lorry drivers just to keep an eye out for any activity that's happening so you know things are happening and you know they are making an effort but you know the effort works both ways and I think farmers have to you know accept that they need the help of the guardie as well and push for, to get more help from the guardie. Some very basic steps can be taken by farmers to make sure you obey some very basic rules that you have strong locks on your doors that all your machinery is put away. Certainly never for convenience leave the key in a piece of machinery or farm equipment. If there is an attempt to rob you, well, it'll take them longer. Terrible cases where someone leaves the farm for an hour or two, they come back and find valuable machinery stolen and obviously someone had been watching them and uh, was able to plan out their movements. Yeah, and there was a case actually reminded me, a colleague of mine was writing about land cruiser thefts around Meath and Westmeath and a farmer had just gone to milk the cows and came back and found that someone had walked through the back door taken the keys of the land cruiser and drove off with it, you know, and that was just someone who'd maybe been watching and knew that he milked the cows at a certain time of day and it's not to make people paranoid, you know, no one wants to be paranoid in their own homes but we'd all be guilty of doing things like leaving the key in the tractor and little things like that and maybe not taking the serial number of equipment, you know, Gardy um, at a meeting recently talked about you know have recovering quite a lot of farm equipment um from you know sort of a base that a group of thieves had and yet when they put a call out for people to come forward and collect the equipment you know no one really knew their serial number you know of any of the equipment so it's basic things and maybe it's a good time around christmas if you've been you know given it given anything um over christmas if you've been given a new chainsaw or some new fencing equipment or something like that just to make a note of the serial number now you only have to do it once and put it in a safe place and then if it ever was stolen at least you'd be able to report it and as well you know we'd all be aware of a mart situation as well and say uh, you know bank holiday marts and seeing a lot of farm equipment for sale and just to be wary and to ask the question you know where has that stuff come from 
to mark your equipment, know the serial number, and of course there's always the possibility that uh, thieves will be able to file off any identifying marks, but at least if you come across equipment of any type with the serial number filed off, well, you'll know that that really hasn't got a very good or legal provenance, probably. Yeah, that's it. Usually uh, what the Gardaí say is that most of the time they're too lazy to file off the serial numbers. So there is a good chance that if it is recovered, you know, that, that you would hopefully be able to get it. But, you know, no one wants it to happen in the first instance. And for crime to stop happening in rural areas, I think... A, you know, it would be great to get rural guard stations functioning to their full capacity. Um, and B, for local farmers, just if any form of criminal activity does happen, to report it. Because we need more guardie in rural areas, but we're not going to get them if they don't think that there's a problem. So to make them aware that there is a problem. We never know if there's someone on your land who would have been an inspector. But I think Phil Hogan at EU level has said that in the future, in a couple of years' time, there won't be any on-farm inspections by people that the satellite going across your land um, a couple of times a week, the satellite, the eye in the sky, will take care of the farm inspection. So in that way, if anyone is on your land, well, they are trespassers. That'll be in a year or so, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, he, he said something very funny. I was actually at that. It was an uh, AGM at the ICMSA in Limerick that he said that perhaps in a year or two that there wouldn't be any more physical, look at that, there wouldn't be any carloads of inspectors coming into your farm anymore. But he said that the the eye in the sky would be so exact that perhaps you might prefer to have had carloads of inspectors uh, coming in. Um, so look, we'll have to see how we go. I mean, no one likes to see an inspector arrive in the yard, but at, at the same time, you know, know the number of penalties uh, there was a 60% surge in the number of um, penalties relating to land eligibility and by and large that was due to the eye in the sky picking up on just very small things um, on farmers lands you know not big enough to uh, incur a financial pe uh, penalty but big enough just to take away some of your uh, VPS payment so it, we'll just have to see now um, in a year or two if Phil Hogan's words come true and if there won't be any more physical inspectors on the ground anymore. What the Department of Agriculture will do with all these inspectors that they don't need anymore is another question as well. They'll have to find something else for them to do. Perhaps they get a big pension and they won't need to work. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Hannah Quinn Mulligan, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. And again, we take this opportunity at C103 and the Dairy Gold Farm Programme, and myself personally, to wish you a very happy, prosperous New Year 2019. Hannah, thank you very much indeed. And thank you, John. Many happy returns. The Roberts Cove Tractor and Car Run 2019 is taking place on Sunday 6th of January. Registration will take place at 11am at the GA Grounds Minan Bridge. That's the Roberts Cove Tractor and Car Run. All vehicles invited to attend, that includes all the newest models of tractors plus vintage models, provided all are in good working mechanical order. The total length of the Roberts Cove tractor and car run will be about 25 kilometres. And again, all new and vintage models invited to attend. All funds raised will go to the Tracton Local Defibrillator Programme. The Roberts Cove tractor and car run on Sunday 6th of January 2019 will be in aid of the Tracton Local Defibrillator Programme. Registration 11am at the GA Grounds Minan Bridge. Entry fee €20. Euro. All types of tractors and cars are invited from the newest models of tractors to vintage models. 
Listeners are kindly invited to support this very good cause for the Tracton Local Defibrillator Programme. Sunday, 6th of January, 2019. Registration, 11am at the GA Grounds, Minan Bridge. IFA Environment Chairman Thomas Cooney has called on all local authorities to develop plans to address the annual increase in littering of the countryside, which he contends takes place the post-Christmas festive period, as people apparently recklessly dump cans, bottles, used wrapper paper and even leftovers of Christmas dinners. Thomas Cooney said recent reports indicate that packaging waste generated from online shopping will increase by one third of this year to 10,000 tonnes. The fact is, he says, this will lead to increased dumping by passing motorists whom he contends have no regard for our rural countryside. And it's time, he said, to get tough with these people. The IFA is now calling for more severe sanctions on cereal dumpers and changes to the legislation so that farmers are no longer held legally responsible for reckless dumping by others on their land. Thomas Cooney said the -the on-the-spot fines for littering brought in this year have not apparently worked. We need increased enforcement action by local authorities as well as tougher sentences and penalties for large-scale cereal dumpers. Local authorities, Mr Cooney said, must now begin a post-Christmas anti-littering blitz to ensure Ireland's countryside is no longer used as a dumping ground. In a recent meeting with the Environment Minister of State, the IFA also called for changes to the existing litter legislation by removing the current threat of fines and prosecution of farmers on whose land others had irresponsibly dumped their litter, leaving the farmer to appear responsible. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, has announced record funding awards of just under €3 million to 108 animal welfare organisations across the nation involving protecting animal welfare. The payments will be made with immediate effect. The actual amount is €2,751,000. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, has confirmed the continuation of the support from his department for the earlier removal of PI, persistently infected calves, under the National Bovine Viral Disease Eradication Programme, BVD, in 2019. Minister Creed expressed his satisfaction with the ongoing progress being made in the eradication of BVD. Minister Creed also noted that substantial savings were being achieved by farmers in excess of €85 million in the year 2018 alone, with the incidence of the PIs, persistently affected calves, falling this year to just 0.06% from 0.66% in 2013. And 2013 was the first year of the compulsory phase of the eradication programme. Minister Creed said the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine supports were helping the eradication effort. In addition, the automatic restriction of herds which retained PIs had proven very effective. The supports in 2019 in respect of earlier removal of PI calves would be as follows according to the department's statement. In the dairy sector, €160 payable if the female dairy and dairy cross calves are removed within 10 days of the first positive or inconclusive PI test. €30 if the female dairy and dairy cross calves were removed between day 11 and day 21 of the first positive or inconclusive test. 
€30 towards the disposal of dairy bull calves through the abattoir or knackery within 14 days of the first positive or inconclusive test. Turning to the beef sector... €220 if the calf is removed within 10 days of the first positive or inconclusive PI test. €30 if the calf is removed between day 11 and day 21 of the first positive or inconclusive test. In respect of herd restrictions, the statement contains the following note. In a further tightening of the eradication effort in 2019... The system of automatic restrictions and notification of neighbours will now apply at three weeks following the date of the original positive or inconclusive test in the event that a date of death is not recorded on AIM by that time. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Miss Sarah Vero, Research Officer with Chagask Johnstown Castle in County Wexford. First of all, Sarah, welcome to the programme. Now, you've agreed to talk to our listeners regarding the Agricultural Catchments Area programme, essentially dealing with water quality and focusing for the purposes of our interview today on the Timberley Catchment Area in Cork West. Could you comment on the quality of Irish water in general vis-a-vis our European Union commitments. First of all, thank you very much for having me, John. Irish Water, we're members of the European Union, and as a member state, we are under a piece of legislation called the Water Framework Directive. And part of what this directive does is it sets goals and measurable targets for us to assess how good our water is, because I, I mean, you can't, it's not something you can tell simply by looking at it. There is no visual. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Assessment, really. So when we assess our water quality, um, we, we measure specific nutrients, specific chemicals, specific contaminants, and we also assess the ecology of the river. What, what bugs, what fish, what insects uh, are living in and around it. So for us who are working or related to agriculture, the primary things we are usually thinking of in terms of water quality are phosphorus and nitrogen. And 
overall, we do have some good things to say about Irish water quality. We see an overall decline in the nutrient loading of rivers um, over the past 25 years. That was the result of the latest EPA water quality report. And another big win is that we have a big improvement in those very poor quality rivers. In 1990, there were 91 rivers classed as being at poor quality, and there's only five now. But on the other hand, there are things that we need to be concerned about. We have a significant and quite frightening loss in the pristine water bodies, those water bodies which are utterly unimpacted by uh, human activity. In 1990, there was 13.4% of water bodies at this super high level uh, of quality, and there's less than 1% now. And 26% of our rivers are exceeding the threshold for phosphorus that is set for us by the European Union. That threshold is 0.035 milligrams per litre. So it's a very, very small amount of phosphorus, but it has big ecological impacts. Your studies, the Chagask studies on water quality and more detailed studies in some specific areas is based on what we were talking about before we began broadcasting, the Agricultural Catchments Programme. How many catchments are there? What do they actually do? And could you refer to the type of application that uh, Chagas would have with these catchments in terms of uh, researchers, technicians Mm -hmm. and advisors? Of course, you are speaking as Ms. Sarah Vero, a research officer, an actual research officer based at Johnstown Castle, Chagas in County Wexford. That's right. Well, the Agricultural Catchments Programme is here to evaluate how well we are addressing the issue of water quality as a country. So we were set up in 2008 as a programme, so we've been running for about 10 years now. And we're looking at it. The Nitrates Action Plan is the national plan for improving and maintaining water quality. So we need to see, are are we hitting our goals and are the methods that we've selected to do so, are they effective or not? And are they equally effective everywhere? Because, I mean, the, the soil and the climate you have down there in beautiful, sunny West Cork is rather different than what we have in, say, the rainy west on our karst catchments or even in, in the heavy soils scattered throughout Ireland. Um, so because of this diversity of land types and the diversity of weather that we see across Ireland, we have a number of different study catchments. We actually have six study catchments. And in each of these catchments, we have instruments that take a water sample every 10 minutes. So it's a super high resolution monitoring of the water quality. We call this our outlet. And you might have seen it as you've driven through Timaleague. It's, it's a green box by the side of the river. But actually, it's, a, it's some very high-tech stuff. It's essentially an outdoor laboratory. In addition to measuring the water quality, we take careful track of the weather. And we are also collaborating with the farmers in terms of what nutrients are on their farm. We take soil surveys ongoingly. Um, it's, a, it's a very kind of multidisciplinary team. And to that end, we have a total of 16 staff, and that's divided between uh, kind of scientific researchers and socioeconomic researchers. We have technical staff who maintain the actual uh, measuring devices in the catchments and in the laboratories. And we have farm advisors, and they have... They are essentially a two-way system for feeding information from us out to the farmers and critically for bringing information from the farmers back to us, telling us what exactly they're doing, what are they seeing as effective on their farms. And that brings us to what is much more important than the 16 members of staff we have are the 300 farmers, over 300 farmers in fact, who are collaborating with us as part of this programme. And what these farmers do is they tell us what they're up to, what 
what growth they're seeing, what nutrients they're applying, and as well as that, they allow us to conduct studies on their farms. So, you know, it could be a critique of science sometimes that it's done in the laboratory or in a study farm, and how well does that really reflect a farmer with all the challenges and the environment that he is in. But because we are out on the real farms, it's a real-life snapshot, a real demonstration of how water quality and agronomy are working together. In our conversation, you've referred to Timaligue in mm-hmm. West Cork. You've referred to Timaligue as an area where you have this green box, the monitoring, the outdoor lab, as it were, a very, very complex piece of equipment, but very effective. Could you, Sarah, just remind us why you would have been working in Timaligue in West Cork? What would attract you to that part? Is it a very representative part of uh, Cork and uh, of Ireland and the Irish agri-landscape in general? Sure. Well, t- Look, all of our six catchments are important because they all reflect a different land use type. And that was there was a very careful and rigorous selection procedure was conducted in 2008 to identify these catchments. But Timaligue is actually one of the catchments in which we've done the most research and we've published the most papers in relation to that catchment. And the reason for that is that it is a freely drained, relatively high intensity grassland dairy area. It's really the heart of Irish agriculture, these type of uh, catchments and it represents a huge amount of farmers and it's an area that's likely to increase in productivity. So it's particularly critical that we have a, a close handle on how to maintain the water quality which is likely to become under increased pressure as agricultural productivity ramps up in line with Foodwise 2020 and Food Harvest 2025. Farmers are actively involved. It's not a question of farmers regarding any bit of constraint on production or volume as being anti-farmer, anti-agriculture. So you have active involvement by farmers, close cooperation and an appreciation by farmers of water because that's what we're selling abroad, the image of food produced in a very green, clean Mm -hmm. situation. Farmers are cooperating. What would some of the main pollutants be? Nitrates, I think you mentioned nitrates and nutrients, but could you elaborate on that, the, the main areas of potential pollution of our water streams? So, so two things. First of all, in relation to the farmer collaboration, you're 100% correct. It is, it is the farmer's collaboration that allows the project to go forward, but also the farmers are really stewards of the environment. They are the first people who are having an influence and having a positive influence and, and striving to do the right thing in relation to uh, maintaining our water quality. And as you said, that's really what's supporting our um, success abroad in terms of the overseas markets. I recently did a period of research over in Kansas, and I was always delighted to see Dairy Gold and Kerry Gold Butter selling for 5 and $6 a pound. That just shows how strong our green image really is as a, as a proponent and as an advertisement for Irish outputs. In relation to the nutrients, we're primarily concerned with agriculture from a, from, a, from a water quality perspective with nitrogen and phosphorus. And of course, every farmer will be familiar with those as what you see in your bags of 10, 10, 20 and what, what you want to be putting out uh, via your slurry uh, when it comes to uh, manure applications for fertilizer purposes. And these two nutrients behave in the environment very, very differently. But both of them, when they're present in combination in a water body, can promote algal blooms, microbial uh, growth, and other negative aspects that might lower the quality of that water. Now, when you're talking about what nu- how the nutrients get to the water, you need to think about two things, broadly speaking. 
You need to think about how does that nutrient like to behave? What sort of a chemical is it? Nitrogen, for example, is uh, it's non-attenuating. And, and in, in simple terms, that means it doesn't like to stick around. It doesn't stick to soil particles very well. It's very, very mobile. So if water is present, it's liable to be washed vertically through the soil profile and down into your groundwater below. And sure, we can all imagine a plant, its plant roots are maybe 20 to 30 centimetres deep. If the nitrogen goes below that level, well, the plant simply can't get it. It offers no bonus for yields to the farmer, and it is only going to move straight from there to the groundwater, which we extract to drink, drink from, from our domestic wells, and also feeds our rivers. Phosphorus, however, is a very, very different nutrient. It is attenuating. It's sticky. It likes to stick onto particles. But if you have heavy rainfall, you get overland flow, and those particles can get physically, those soil particles, that is, can get physically detached from the surface and brought to the water. And phosphorus has a really, phosphorus is really more important than nitrogen when it comes to fresh water, when it comes to our rivers and lakes. Nitrogen is more of an issue when it comes to uh, an, an addition to the sea, which is already rich in phosphorus. So, for example, Court McSherry Bay, which receives the which receives the Irrigadine River and water from the Timaleague catchment, that has a significant water quality problem, and part of that is coming from nitrogen, but also part of it is coming from the wastewater treatment issues in the area. The other issue in terms of uh, nutrient behaviour in a catchment is what you have. Some soils are very, very freely draining, and that's what we see in Timaleague. And by freely draining, I mean water can move very, very quickly and very easily through the soil profile. So it's prone to leaching, that is the movement of nutrients vertically. Other soil types, such as what we see in our Ballycanoe catchment in East Wexford or our Dunlear catchment in County Louth, is that they have heavier soil types. The soil is heavier, more rich in clay particles. And these clay particles don't allow water to move through the soil. What they actually encourage is runoff and it's a much more rapid form of nutrient loss, um, and it just behaves in a different way. So depending on what nutrients you're talking about, and depending on your soil type, it'll be a different solution. There is no one-size-fits-all. Now, you referred to leaching, and perhaps it's a secondary problem. You are doing everything you can to monitor water quality in our Mm -hmm. rivers, and farmers are doing their best to stop pollution and stop the escape of nutrients into waterways or into the soil. But something, a secondary issue, but perhaps an unknown quantity, really, around the country there are sprinkles, they've been used for many years, there are sprinkles, these historic landfill sites are far away from rivers, you could still have leaching, and last spring might be a good example of how exceptionally wet weather might cause leaching from historic landfill sites. Yes, um, I suppose that's not something that we've addressed directly as part of the catchments programme, because we've really been focusing on the agricultural end of things, but you're quite right, um, domestic and other anthropogenic sources, anything to do with humans, can produce pollutants. And they are just as vulnerable as an agricultural source of nutrients to leaching. I suppose one of the big issues we have with landfill sites is that it's not necessarily simply nutrients. It could be any other contaminant. It could be heavy metals, which is a very, very big issue because of their very high toxicity. It could be pesticides from particular areas and um, any chemical, really. In fact, it's very, very interesting. We're increasingly seeing, not in the catchment program, but in other similar projects across the world, caffeine in our water bodies. And that can only come from humans because we're the only uh, 
creature on earth which consumes caffeine at least deliberately in that way and um, so the, yes there's a whole variety a whole spectrum of potential contaminant sources um, and we have to remember also that when it comes to a river or when it comes to groundwater it's never just an agricultural source or it's never just a, a coming from cities it's never just coming from septic tanks or wastewater treatment or landfills all of these things are present in the environment together so really, it's not a case of, well, this is a farmer's problem and the farmers have to get their act together. Far from it. Everyone has a responsibility when it comes to water quality. That means that the farmers have to get the right nutrient balance in the soils and apply slurry appropriately and things like that. But also people need to be taking care of their septic tanks because your septic tank is a major nutrient loss source to the environment. And most frighteningly, those losses are happening very, very near our drinking water wells. And... Um, Cities, they need to have improved wastewater treatment facilities and the wastewater treatment facilities have to have the capacity to handle what is being generated by our increasing populations, particularly as populations become more and more densely associated with urban areas and less and less dense in rural areas. So it's really, this is a job for everyone. It's a big team effort nationally and internationally. Chagas have been monitoring the bugs and the biodiversity in rivers which would have been affected by agriculture and we're seeing there that once you identify what the problem is, you have your little outside lab in Timaleague, mm-hmm. you're analysing the water quality literally several times per hour. So in fact, we are looking at a very hopeful situation where once we recognise what the problem is, then we try and solve it. And some of the things put forward as solutions could be adding to the problem if we're not very careful. We, we're told that forests are carbon sinks, glibly, but at the same time we're told that uh, runoff from conifer plantations can damage uh, salmon breeding grounds or rivers. So we have to look at everything as a coordinated uh, overall, and that's what Chagask are doing now. And you're saying there is hope our quality is relatively good compared to, we'll say, Holland or the Netherlands, where they're doing their very best, but, well, our population is tiny compared to the Netherlands, but at least uh, we can honestly go to Kansas, where you were, and see dairy gold are sponsored and Kerry gold butter, and a realisation amongst the hard-headed Americans that this is worth paying $5 a pound for to, to use the old measurements. Absolutely. I am. It's really critical, and I suppose... You all know this was an extremely unusual year weather-wise. We had the snow event in February and March, and then we had a drought in summer. These things, they do happen, but not every year. They're relatively infrequent, and a shorter program of monitoring, would, allow, would have, we could have missed that. If the study only went on three or four years, as is often very, very common in research, we would have missed out on that. Now we can analyse those unusual events and be better prepared next time round as to how we can handle this. To summarise then, the unusual weather we had in 2018, the extreme rain in the spring, and then you had the drought in the summer. So as regards the situation in 2018, the unusual weather, what has that meant? What would that have meant for water quality and agriculture in Timidy, one of your catchment area studies? The snow event was very, very unexpected for starters. Um, these type of events usually occur once every six to 18 years, according to Met Aaron. And the thing to remember is that when it comes to nutrient loss to water courses, 
snow behaves similarly to rainfall in that it can carry the nutrients away via runoff. Um, because spring before the snow occurred was so wet and because the autumn of 2017 was so wet, many farmers were at capacity for slurry storage. And because conditions, soil conditions improved from the 20th of February, I think a lot of people were encouraged to get out and spread that fertiliser. Unfortunately, the snow occurred after that and really probably there was minimal use by the plant of that nutrient and unfortunately there were some losses. So I think the thing to remember in future when we get future snow events is that you won't get bang for your buck. You won't have success from the fertiliser spread prior to that event. We need to be thinking of snow in the exact same way as we think of a heavy rainfall event. In terms of the drought, this is probably more agriculturally and environmentally significant, mainly because it went on so long. There was a very high soil moisture deficit, which basically means the soil was very, very dry. And you think, well, from a nutrient point of view, even though it's bad for agronomy, even though the farmers didn't get to produce as much silage as they really, really needed, say, well, there's no runoff, there's no leaching, surely the losses were low. But... Because there's less water in the river, it becomes much, much more sensitive to whatever losses there are. So what we call a point source, which is a source of nutrients or a source of contaminants that goes from one particular point and pretty directly to the river. Because it's not diluted, it has a very, very big impact. So point sources can be cattle access points where they might be drinking from the river, washings from farmyards, domestic waste sources, septic tanks, and even roadways or even cracked or leaking slurry tanks. They could all have, a, have had a very high effect because there wasn't enough water in the river to dilute it down. In fact, for the first time ever, we saw parts of the river disappeared this summer in that they were completely dry. Now, I'm happy to say that they've all returned and the river is flowing as usual and as we would want it to. But uh, we need to be particularly careful during extreme conditions like this drought. Thank you very much indeed for your patience and all of that information for a very comprehensive overview of water quality in Ireland, particularly in the agricultural catchment areas. Miss Sarah Vero, Research Officer based in Chagask, Johnstown Castle County Expert. Thank you, Sarah, very much indeed. And that interview with Miss Sarah Vero, Research Officer, Chagask Johnstown Castle, regarding water quality monitoring at Timaleague as part of the river catchments area, had been broadcast earlier this year, 2018. And that's the final Farm Talk programme for this year, 2018. The next Farm Talk programme is scheduled for this coming Wednesday, 2nd of January, 2019, starting 10pm, directly after the news. May I take this opportunity... On behalf of C103, my colleagues and Farm Talk programme sponsors, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society Limited, of wishing all of our contributors and listeners in 2018 a very happy, healthy and prosperous New Year 2019. And we look forward to your continuing support in the New Year 2019. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foote on Controls. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. 
Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance, or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.